We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast for Thursday, October 27th, Week 8 NFL Breakdown. We got lot to get to this week. Busy week around the league. Trade deadline looming. We're starting to see a little bit of action there. A lot of injuries. We got a couple of buys to navigate as well with the Chiefs and Chargers both being off. So let's dig in. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, John McCackney, joined as always by Mario Puig. This podcast presented to you to us, presented by our friends over at No House Advantage. Mario, how you doing on this Thursday? Oh, I'm all right. How about you, John? Well, uh, the Ravens have uh it looks like my video might be a little bit choppy. Sorry, folks. Um, however, uh, doing well. Otherwise, um, Ravens have a big game tonight, as, as you may have heard. Thursday night football, heard of it? Yeah. Amazon Prime. Uh, we got love Amazon Prime. <laughs> we got Al. We got Herbie on the mic. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and break down every single game this week, and we'll we'll start things off with that game with with the Ravens traveling down to Tampa Bay. Ravens one and a half or two point favorites, depending on what book you're looking at. And Mario, for me, I need my Ravens to come through and get this vi- get this victory here on Thursday night. It's their last last go at Tom Brady. Um, you know, he's inflicted a lot of damage on the Ravens over the years. You know, I go on down Jimmy Seafood. I can't go Jimmy Seafood no more because may or may not have brought in my own natty bow that kicked me out of the establishment and then take my car in to Anthem Auto Parts and I got to pay $800 for new brake pads because it said my car wasn't safe to drive. So all that's to say, I need the Ravens to come through here in a big way. Um, I understood the bill part of that. That sounded like a, a high price, whatever happened. I uh, wish you luck. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I, by the way, I'm looking at covers and they have Tampa Bay by one. So apparently there's some, uh, depending on where you look, some different 
different options to to bet the spread here, but uh, different. Oh, you are correct. Actually, my, that's my mistake. It, it was Ravens one and a half, so that that has moved it a good I mean, bit can, since Tuesday. Two points, one point. I, I assume that can still you know go back and forth, especially if there was some kind of a. I don't know what the news would have been in week. Maybe Andrew's officially not practicing all week, sent some sort of quick uh, spree of bets on the Buccaneers. I don't really know. But that, I guess, is the biggest story. Uh, Not to say it's the only one. There's a lot of stories here. I mean, if if both teams were healthy, we'd still probably be talking about Tom Brady's divorce. Uh, Maybe maybe that uh, wedding of Robert Kraft's we could talk about. But uh, more so, we have Mark Andrews and his stupid knee. Uh, Gus Edwards and his stupid knee, uh, Rashad Bateman's stupid foot, and um, there's there's injuries on the Buccaneers' defense. So it's like Marcus Williams is, of course, a huge absence for the Ravens. It's like that one alone took them from maybe like a pretty decent defense to one that you just uh, pretty much sucks. And uh, on the other side, they're without Carlton Davis, who's kind of their lead corner, Antoine Winfield, who's kind of does everything between uh, the slot, roving, safety, whatever. He's a really good player. He's out. So uh, there's there's shorthandedness on both sides. I don't know what that means on a short week. I mean, I guess we we normally expect the passing games to do a little worse in the short week, Uh, especially in Lamar's case where your two most important pass catchers are both hobbled on a short week. So uh, I I don't know. It it seems to me like it could be a little bit ugly. And I, I do worry about these games where it's just Lamar Jackson versus the other team. You know, he, and he has to win. Uh, in spite of Greg Roman's play calling, like he basically has to just go rogue to give them any chance sometimes in these settings. And uh, the Buccaneers defense being shorthanded makes it an interesting question. It's it's not the same as the Buccaneers defense that we're afraid of, uh, but it's still uh, it, it just feels like one. it feels like it could be like a tipsy turvy kind of what topsy turvy, whatever the term is. It seems like there might just kind of be marbles rolling around in this one. I don't know. So with, with all that in mind, you know, it, you take. You know, the, the off-field stuff, obviously, with, with Tampa Bay uh, going on. But then you look at the fact that over these last two weeks, uh, they were favored by eight points at Pittsburgh. They lost that one. Yeah. They were favored by ten and a half, uh, I believe, yeah, against Carolina. Bad. Went ahead, lost that one outright. So this... That's bad, yeah. I mean, the Ravens obviously haven't been playing particularly well. They, they, they have a winning record, but they tried to give it away. Uh, to the the Browns this past weekend, uh, eight, were able to to escape that one with a win despite their best efforts. To the contrary, and you know we we've seen them melt down in the past. And Tom Brady is not Jacoby Brissett, even even current day Tom Brady. So um, I feel like the the Ravens still haven't solved that closing question. So if they are to to get a lead in this game. Um, you know, I, I think that this one is going to still go all 60 minutes. Like, I, I don't think that this one is going to be decidedly, um, you know, emphatic on, on one side or the other, if it's Tampa Bay or if it's the Ravens, just because of the, how the Ravens play. And then, you know, on the other side, I don't, I'm not sold right now that, that this iteration of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, is capable of, of blowing anyone out. Yeah, what? Uh, so I guess we're going to have to see what happens with Julio Jones. I have no idea what to make of that. Uh, but Russell Gage is out. And Russell Gage, I don't know why they signed him to do this, but Russell Gage was playing most of the outside snaps opposite Mike Evans. Like they did, they left Godwin in the slot. Uh, and they, they signed Gage to that contract, even though he was just a slot guy for, for the Falcons before. So he was, un- he was ineffective outside. They should have seen that coming. Uh, he's out. I don't know if that actually hurts them because they might have to play 
either Julio, and in that case, you would, I guess, expect that he's somewhat healthy, if so. Uh, but if not Julio, then Brashad Perriman. So basically Uh-oh. the Ravens the Ravens have to not let that big play happen. And I, I do worry about that a little bit because you can imagine them putting Humphrey on Godwin in the slot. And like Peters don't – I don't think they have Peters switching sides. Uh, they could start even if they haven't done it already. But they might basically have a situation where it's like Peters with some help against Mike Evans and Marlon Humphrey on Godwin or whoever is in the slot between the two of them. And that could leave Perriman on um, – I don't know how Stevens is doing or whatever. But I that Houston rookie corner they have just – You don't like Pepe? Corner. Uh, what? Pepe Williams? Is that the, uh, Demarion or whatever? Pepe, but yes. Okay, I didn't I didn't realize his his name was Pepe. Uh but yeah, he's he's like that was just one of those bad picks, you know. Uh if they, if they leave Perriman on him, that's a wrap. So, I assume it's going to be Stevens more so, but they just they they can't have those plays that they had against the Dolphins happening cuz Perriman can run away from them. Other than that, they have to keep Fournette from getting too much going on the ground and I, I think if they do those two things, Lamar can do his part on offense, but if they if they make Lamar score like 31 points, I don't know if that's happening. No, I don't, I don't either. And I, th- I think with with this one being a quick turnaround, obviously with with it being a Thursday night game and the way that these offenses have performed, hello Dulce, uh, uh, of late, um, you know, I think that there's a reason why the why the total is setting in, uh, you know, wh- where it is, despite the fact that you have uh, Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. Uh, playing, you know, we're, we're still looking at, you know, a total of 45 and a half, 46, depending on uh, which book you're using. So, yeah, we're, we're not expecting a ton of offensive fireworks on, on either side. Um, in your estimation, how has uh, the Buccaneers offensive line uh, looked of late? Because I feel like if, there, if there's one kind of positive uh, on the Ravens d- defensive side thus far, and Calais Campbell is not going to be playing. So that that is a big factor here. But I do feel like the Ravens were able to generate some pass rush against the Browns in a way that we hadn't really seen a whole lot of thus far. Um, yeah, I mean, what would would you say that was just like Metabuiki getting going, or because I I still don't see the uh, the personnel so much with the Ravens. I guess un- until or if Owe gets going, Owe Owe gets in the mix, but he never finishes the play. Right. Like, and then he's always he seems to be good for one really costly penalty per game as well. Hmm. Well, the, so the, the Buccaneers are without their backup left guard, so they're down to their third string left guard, and they were already down to their second string center as it was. So uh, I also don't know uh, Shaq Mason might be playing a little bit hurt. So th- those tackles should still be very good, unless I missed something and. Uh, I guess Matt Abwiki is the the guy you you fear most in that front seven, front four, whatever front they're running. And uh, he is more on the interior where Gedeke, the backup left guard, the rookie from Central Michigan, uh, who is the backup as it was to Aaron Stinney or whatever it was. So they're they're going to have some third stringer against uh, Matt Abwiki. And I don't, I don't know, uh, has Travis Jones done anything? I know he's really toolsy, so I'm kind of expecting him to be useful eventually, but it may, maybe not quite yet. I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, he uh, he was injured, you know, in that in that Cardinals right. preseason game. So it took him a little bit to get going. But, you know, he's been healthy. He's been out there. He's he's looked pretty good. Matt, Matt Abwiki, like you said, um, I think, think he was a team captain. Uh, this past week so he's obviously like kind of like earning his keep and and looking like he's a good pick Roderick Washington getting in the mix just a little bit um, as well but 
either way, um, that, that will be interesting to, to monitor like the left side of, of that Buccaneers offensive line. And then, you know, for, from a fantasy angle, what if, you know, Mark Andrews is to miss this game or, or, you know, what do you make of this Ravens backfield rotation? You know, after Gus Edwards kind of surprisingly jumped into the mix and, you know, scored a couple of touchdowns last week. Yeah, I love Gus. I, I was surprised at how quickly they rolled him out and how much work they gave him. But uh, the box score that he had is actually the exact kind of thing I expect of Gus Edwards because uh, in the event that Dobbins is out, I mean, that's the exact thing I would expect because every time they've had to call on Edwards as a starter, he's done a good job. He's, he's just good. And I, I don't know why it's like some people don't believe that even now, like three straight years of averaging five plus yards a pop over that kind of sample size. It's, it's not a fluke at that point. There's, there's a reason he's so good. And, and those reasons apply whenever he's healthy. What I don't know is what's fair to expect uh, on a short week coming off a game where they probably overworked him a bit uh, his first game back. And it's like, especially after they had it go the way they did with Dobbins, it's, I'm not as inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like if, if that game happened and Dobbins was out right now with a shoulder injury, I'd maybe be like, oh, but they, you know, they handled the knee all right, but they, they kind of just didn't. Um, maybe it's just unfair to call that in hindsight. I don't really know. But if they can't count on Edwards, then they have slack that basically Lamar can only pick up because I just I don't believe in Kenyon Drake at all. And Justice Hill, I don't know, he's 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 better built for like the CFL or something. Um, he was running that, well again last week yeah. and then he fumbled. He can he can definitely run. I, I, I guess I should have been more specific. It's like he ha, he has a certain ability with the ball, but it's it's hard to in practice get it in, a, in an NFL offense reliably because he just doesn't have a, he can't really run inside very much. But he's also not a naturally skilled pass catcher, and um, he, he does he just doesn't uh, he doesn't have quite the burning speed you'd want for someone on his frame either. So it's like he's a, he's got that Ronnie Hillman problem where it's like yeah he's fast kind of, but for how small he is, it's barely worth it. Um, but he, he does have some ability with the ball. He's, he's not like easy to catch when he has the ball in the open field. Whereas Drake, I guess is usually. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. It's, it's just, it seems like the run game is a no go in this one to me. Cause I don't really, I don't really expect Gus to do it on a short week. And so it's up to Lamar, I guess. And um, I don't know what's, I don't know how far along in decline Levante David might be, but um Devin White has kind of been exposed in recent times as being just kind of a goofball on the field. And uh, he, he's like outrageously athletic, like completely unfair athletic talent. But that's like the only reason he's a vaguely viable NFL linebacker. Like he just he just like runs the wrong way and gets tricked constantly. So Do you think um, it's because he's a horse guy? Yes. OK, um, I do too. I think it happened then. Um that, not because he got kicked by the horse or fell off of it. It's just something about being a horse guy. Um, yeah, no. I mean, uh, yeah, um, those it's a thing. Um, yeah, so uh, I think the, the run game's a no-go, which is to say it falls on Lamar, and Lamar can sometimes take that and, you know, just just go, uh, just go crazy with it. But it's also mo more pressure that way. It's a lot easier to, to go nuclear on, through the air and on the ground. When you have a little help, when when the defense doesn't re really understand every single play as that guy's going with it, because that that's what we might have the game reduced to with Lamar here, if, especially if Andrews is out. Um, with that said, there's also again the opportunity to get something going through the air, like the, no Carlton Davis, no Antoine Winfield, no Murphy Bunting either. 
So I don't actually know who the the third or second even corner is. It's like Jamel Dean. That's it. So there, Duvernay should be overqualified against who's ever covering him. Bateman, uh, especially if they just get him away from Dean, he's he's got the green light there. So I, I am a little bit optimistic that Lamar can get something going as a passer, even without Andrews. But I, uh, as far as the DFS slate goes, the, the biggest thing with Andrews to keep in mind is uh, even though Isaiah Likely's snap counts have gone down in recent weeks, it's almost entirely because the Ravens are just not running two tight end pass plays. They're running uh, – well, some of those are probably running with Ricard, which is insane, but they're more so just running two tight end run plays. So the, Oliver is playing more, and Oliver is a blocking specialist tight end. Uh, so Have you seen Josh Oliver try to catch a football? Not really. Oh, it's know. bad. Yeah, he can run, but he he can't really. It's an adventure. Anything. Every single like, even if it's like right on his numbers, you don't know if he's coming down with it. Right. So uh, it's as simple as this: if the Ravens call a two tight end pass play, likely is running that other tight end rep. They might not call that play, but that's the reason he hasn't been playing lately. It's not like Oliver's Wally pipped him or that Nick Boyle's taking his snaps. The snaps that existed before the concept hasn't existed the past few weeks. But particularly if Andrews is out likely is the only guy who can run those routes and not to say he's anything like it, but if Andrews is out likely runs 25 routes at least, and he might run 20 anyway, depending on whether they decide to use that personnel. Yeah. I'm, I might fire up likely in a, in a couple places where I've held on, kept the faith. Um, you know, I think, I think definitely if Andrews is sidelined, I think likely, you know, starts to be more involved and unless they do the thing with Gus Edwards last week that they did with, uh, Charlie Cola, but I don't think they're gonna do that. Or that'd be he's got he's like out for the year, right? Uh, yeah, he had that sports hernia. Oh well, he could be back in the second half, I guess, but probably not yet. Okay, yeah, dang Charlie Kohler. Um, let's see here. Let's grab a couple of questions here and then move on to the Sunday slate. Um, and then oh, final thing, you have a pick for tonight? I'll go Ravens, but uh. That's I'm just deferring to being a Lamar fan, pretty much. I got the shirt on. Uh, you do have the shirt, yeah. Okay, I'm glad I had that. I call that the right answer. Then I'm glad I had See, the right answer. F- facts, yeah. You you can't pick Tom Brady against the Ravens while I'm looking right at you. That, that would just be rude. Um, let's see. First question. Um, I typically have the 49ers uh, team or uh, defense and special teams, but the Titans and Jets have been on uh, the waiver wire. Should I drop San Francisco for either of those two? I think, you know, the the Niners, I don't know if their injury problems are going to be fixed anytime soon, whereas the Titans, they go to the Texans this week. So stream-wise, might not be a bad play. I don't, I don't know. I like the Colts this week, too. It's I guess it just comes down to what kind of bench sizes you got in the league. Because, yeah, those those two defenses are, are uh, this week and maybe until Armstead at least gets back for the 49ers. And I don't even know what's going on with him or Kinlaw. Uh, I do like the 49ers in general after this point. But, the, you know, there's only, whatever, 12 weeks before the fantasy playoffs and, and uh, one out of 12 big upgrade at defense can, can pay off, especially if it's like a tight race. Yeah, no, exactly. If you, if you can somehow, you know, squeeze 12 points out of, out of a defense that you just streamed, then I, I think that it, it could end up being a worthwhile play. And, and, you know, you also have to consider um, that the, that the Niners have a buy next week as well. So, um, you know, I, I think that things are standing to reason to where you can, you can stream off 
the Niners this week. Um, still try to get them back, but yeah, if, if you got a if it's short bench, you might be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. Um, Y2J29 wants to know, start two of the following. Christian Kirk, Curtis Samuel, George Pickens, or Wandale Robinson? Uh, man, um... Uh, well, who's that? Who's Pittsburgh again? Uh, they have. Oh, gosh, I'm forget. I'm forgetting. Uh, Phil, they're at Philly. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, not Pickens, and uh, I, I think I'd go probably. What do I got here? I could probably go. Kirk and um, what's his name? Uh, Wandale. Okay. All right. So we, we have maybe I'm too high on Wandale, but he's he's uh he's getting a lot of targets per snap, and he he's a f- really fast starter at Nebraska too. So I I think he's kind of for real. Yeah, I do too. And you know, I think that you look at you know the game setup, and yes, the the Steelers are going to be trailing, so so maybe they they go to the air a little bit more. Um, but with in Robinson's case, you know that that game out in Seattle could be the biggest shootout of the week. Pickens Pickens might get Bradbury as a primary assignment, and that's that's a really tough one. In addition to who knows how quickly, like Quinn could already make an effect in the pass rush too, and they didn't. Yeah, really shout need shout any. out to the NFC for just like giving Philly all the all these like all this ammo. You know, this whole the, the entire league this year is just doing like a, a cost cutting tank. It's unbelievable. It's yeah, it's pretty gross. Um, Avila wants to know Gus or Michael Carter rest of season. Um, Man, that's important tough. distinction uh, when we're talking Gus. I don't know. I mean, I, I I really have no idea how to call that. Honestly, I guess I'd lean Gus just because we don't really know what's going on with Dobbins exactly. Whereas we kind of think James Robinson's playing as as far as we know indefinitely. So I, I go Gus, I guess. Uh, but I'm I'm maybe kind of putting it all on this next you know four or five week window or something. Yeah, so I think if if the Ravens had their druthers, uh, they would give Gus the, the vast majority of the workload. While if Gus Dobbins gets the out. carries, I love him. I, I have no uh, concerns about Gus doing his part. It's the uh, the opportunity level, if anything. Right, because the, the I mean, again, for first game back, but you know the split the snap shares were split pretty evenly between uh, Gus Drake and uh, Justice Hill last week. Uh, let's move on over to the Sunday slate. But before then, we got a message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, Sunday. Foggy London town, Mario. We are sending our best abroad. Sending our best overseas as the Jaguars will face the Denver Broncos. Yeah, so uh, sucks. What can you say? Um, Yeah, so (laughs) hopefully Russell Wilson's ready to go after doing... Uh, jumping jacks and high knees and lunges and uh, probably like did a wall squats on the emergency exit and <laughs> told him to stop something like that. Uh, he's, he's a real goofball and I don't know how this team manages to even get on the field sometimes. Uh, I guess we're going to say it's the defensive coordinator. He's, he's just like, He's like running around uh, the, the team facilities, turning on, you know, how like George Michael in the, uh, Arrested Development had to turn off the burners when Lindsay was going around trying to play mom in the house and almost got everybody killed. Yeah. The defensive coordinator for the Broncos is doing that with Hackett, presumably like just he's probably like Hackett's going around springing like gas leaks and stuff and and, like exposing wires and stuff. And that guy's keeping it all together, getting them to the games on time, all that stuff. Um, I don't know if going to London is going to affect them any differently, or I don't know if like, maybe, maybe if you're completely disorganized joke of a team going to London is fine because you're already like a knuckleball, you know, like maybe, maybe the, the, the random factor doesn't actually change anything for them. I have no idea, but the Jags are certainly like a dumb enough team in their own right. They're, uh, by the way, it's, it's, it's funny how little they got for James Robinson. Like they got less, for James Robinson than they spent to draft Snoop Connor, who's, I guess, just going to have to play a little bit now because Travis Etienne is not a 20 carry player. Like I'm, I'm a, as big of an Etienne fan as anyone. It's like, you, you can't just have him carry your offense. That doesn't make any sense either. So uh, the Jags might make things even weirder yet on themselves somehow. And uh, the defensive coordinator for the Broncos is real good. So uh, the, he's going to have something for Christian Kirk. The question is whether like Kirk and Trevor, and I guess to be fair, Doug, if Doug maybe comes up with a flicker of a good idea. Last week they started using Evan Ingram more downfield, which is good. It's the obvious thing. I don't know why it's taken five years, and I'm sure they'll they'll just go back to doing the stupid things again this week. But uh, why not have the four four two guy running, you know, let's say seven yards downfield? Let's let's try six or seven yards, see what happens. You know, we don't we don't have to do four and five. We don't have to do twenty. Let's let's try seven or eight um yeah they, they they got him going downfield a little bit and like what do you know fast guy better downfield who could have imagined uh so if they keep using evan ingram downfield more they'll help themselves and and crucially they'll be 
giving the defense something to think about in the same range of the field that Kirk runs. Like you, with Ingram used a certain way, you can make the defense in some, if you catch them in the right spot, you make them make the choice, let Kirk go or let Ingram go. And that's what the, that's what Doug Peterson needs to fixate on. That's their offense because of how bad these outside receivers that Trent Balky got are like Zay Jones is over is underqualified to be like a wide receiver too. Marvin Jones is not a real NFL receiver at this point. So the Kirk Ingram threat in the middle and the ETN threat are the only things the Jaguars have to play off of. So um, they, they can, they can either get that going or they can lose. Is there, is there any concern about um, Pat Sertain and, and whatever his assignment ends up being? Well, funny enough, uh, Sertan might not have any real effect on this game. I mean, he's he's going he's always going to play great. The, the 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 calculus for the Jags offense, though, like I said, is like if they're using Zay Jones much, if they're using Marvin Jones and Zay Jones, especially at the same time, very much, they already lost. And Pat Sertan being there doesn't actually change that. It it might make it more the case, but uh, the Jags shouldn't be operating at that part of the field anyway. You know, some, some offenses need to get something going there and then Pat Sertan throws their game off, but uh, the Jaguars don't have any business working in that terrain anyway. So they got to get Kirk going and uh, maybe that, maybe the Broncos unveil Sertan in the slot that that would be the way that it's, you know, specifically relating to Sertan and uh, presumably he would be good at that. I, 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 they haven't really done it yet, but I, I don't exactly want to bet against Sertan playing any sort of coverage look. Um, so yeah, but it, it also, you know, they, they need big plays for ETN, which he probably can give them, but they can't have turnovers and they can't do this. They can't be like going for it on fourth and one at the 17 yard line and not getting it. You know, they gotta, they gotta get points when they can. Yeah. Uh, noted Jags fan, Nick Whalen, uh, pointed out on Sunday that he is uh, sick and tired of them going for it on fourth and not getting it. Um, yeah, so. they, there's a I, I appreciate the approach, but the Jaguars have certain personnel limitations because of Balky and his idiotic team building uh, philosophy. If there is one, I guess he might just be like one of those random gut drafting guys. Uh, but the, the, the Jaguars need to understand that you need certain kind of you know equipment to do certain things, and and they they're not they're not getting the equipment first. No, yeah. So that that the old cart before the horse. Uh, type yeah, that's. That was, I was trying to think of it. A couple of horse references on on the pod uh, this week. I, I I don't know what's going on there. Um, do you have a or before we get to a pick for this game on the Broncos side of it? I mean, how do you feel about you know? I I think like a ton has been made of Allen Robinson being super droppable and and everything this year, <laughs> but Cortland Sutton is someone that I was very high on. It, again, you know under under the premise that this Broncos team would be something other than a complete and utter disaster. Um, that he didn't take seriously enough the possibility that the, the Russell Wilson trade and contract will go down as the worst one in NFL history. We no longer have the Rachel Walker trade. We have the Russell Wilson trade. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think Sutton is blameless in this. I, I think it's all on Hackett, Russell Wilson, to some extent um, more on Hackett than Wilson though. I mean, Wilson's overrated. He's a total fraud, et cetera. But um, Hackett by now has no good reason to not know what Pete Carroll knew for years, which is that you have to remove from your offense the plays where Russell Wilson is doing anything other than the high low or a broken play structure. He can't operate within structure. And if you if you make an offense that supposes the quarterback operates within structure and your quarterback is Russell Wilson, you'll have a bad offense. It's predetermined. So 
Uh, Hackett could do things better than he has, and I don't think he's capable of doing anything right in any setting. So um, when he gets fired soon, uh, something might change for the better, but uh, they should, they should, what they really should do and what actually might get them out of this hell they've built for themselves is if they fire Hackett and make head coach the defensive coordinator guy. Because that guy knows what he's doing. Just he does. give the team to him and, you know, understand that it's not great where you got yourself, but at this point, it's the best you can do. It, it, it definitely is. I mean, this Hackett experiment has, has gone... I mean, I don't think either of us were optimistic, um, but man, I mean, this is not, it's safe to say, John. Yeah, neither of us were. And I not. Yeah, again, I'm. I'm like, no way, dude. No way. How? How is any of this happening? Even I, if I if I saw these events unfolding at the time, I would have been. I would have just like, uh, you know, back before the season, I would have just uh, thought I was hallucinating and writing like an unfair, you know, satire of, of events to to come, but. He really is just the absolute dumbest coach. Like he's not the he, Urban Meyer is probably the worst coach ever because he was such a just malicious figure and and like yeah. so, somehow just like he both like poisonous and neglectful. Like he he he's never present, but he's still like killing you from afar with his just like vileness. Hackett is an innocent goofball man, uh, but also uh, he's he's the worst after Meyer ever. It, yeah, I mean, when you're when you're entering the Petrino zone, that's not where you want to be, but that's where yeah. we're at. Yeah, Hackett, Hackett, I see that neck brace now, even though it's never there. It's just, <laughs> this, this is this is how much of a clown you've become in the the head cannon. In, inescapable. Um, let's keep rolling. In that case, um, then Jags minus two and a half. Sure, sure. I don't know. Sure. I, I just I can't. I, I hate betting on both these I teams. My, but. I need my Andre Cisco to sit on uh, Poodle Boy's routes and pick six one, and, and then we might be talking. Then we're talking. Uh, although that that could complicate things for uh, this uh, perilously low over under of thirty nine and a half. But um, we we shall see. What can you do? What can you do? All right, Falcons, Panthers, Falcons, four point favorites in this one. I think this is a good buying opportunity on the Falcons wrote that this week. Um, you know, that they're coming off a, a game in which I, I felt like it was more Cincinnati getting on track than like Atlanta's all of their flaws being laid bare. Maybe, maybe I'm off on, on that analysis, but I thought that that game had more to do with Cincinnati than, than Atlanta. I think um, so. and, and I also feel like the Panthers last, last week's game, it won't be quite the aberration that that the Jags beating the Bills last year was because I think the Bills last year were, were significantly better than than what the Buccaneers are right now. Um, but at the same time, that that I don't think that there's anything meaningful to to really take away from that on the Panthers side. I, I don't think that they're able to to pull that off again. So I, I feel like you know that this this was something that was closer to like a five and a half point line before Sunday. And I, I think that this is a, a good opportunity to like buy the discount basically for, for the Falcons. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know what this means. Like, it covers is showing that like 62% of the bet volume is on the Falcons. And yet the spread has gone from six and a half to four and a half. If, uh, the, if, if we're going against the monopoly man again, if he's picking the, the Panthers, I think, uh, I, I, I do like, I agree with what you said. I, I like the Falcons a lot more. I even I'm even curious about the Falcons at six and a half. Um, the thing 
about this mostly is that PJ Walker, that's the kind of quarterback that is so low level that whatever uh, broader statistical trends you can generally count on, you no longer can. Like it's just, it it becomes like a preseason game with a guy like that playing and you you might get away with one or two games. You might play a, a completely dead Buccaneers team and catch them by complete surprise for, you know, what amounts to like 40 snaps, but you're not getting to 50 without the correction occurring. So I think Walker, you know, against Dean Pease, I'm not expecting anything good from Walker. I did not, I guess AJ Terrell, if he's out, then DJ Moore goes against some scrub. Maybe that's the way it happens, but, uh, we already know Arthur Smith is not inclined to give the other team the ball. So he's, he's going to try to get it to come down to just like one or two drives for Walker. And if, if they, they get the better of the Panthers offense, then I think that's the, all it takes really to cover, especially the four and a half. Uh, I, I don't, I, I don't know what Arthur Smith is doing exactly. I, I, I know he's, he's really making a lot of people mad with his run heaviness, but he, he, he hasn't always done this, you know, he, he, he kind of does a different thing year to year, depending on the personnel that he has. So uh, I, I think particularly given the way they've overachieved this year, he has some kind of insight that he's working on. And admittedly, I would like it to turn into more production for Kyle Pitts and Drake London. But uh, I feel like he's still getting certain looks that it's just like, until we get a different look from defenses, we're going to just try to, batter them between the tackles and just just try to make their defensive line into mush and then try to maybe open it up in the second half but they're 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 five and one against the spread for a reason and 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 arthur has shown enough different offenses in his nfl career that i I don't think it would make any sense to to theorize that he's like doing this out of stubbornness or like some you know being committed to some stupid vision of his i think it's i think he's i think he's working at something i don't know what admittedly (laughs) we but he's in the lab, nonetheless. He gets the benefit of the doubt that I don't give some other coaches, I guess I could have just said. He does. I mean, with the sheer volume of hours that uh, that we've spent doing podcasts together, the uh, the, the reverent tones uh, on Arthur Smith compared to some of the other Bozo coaches, it, it's, seen, no, it's noted. So I've seen some people just like the way I rail on Hackett all the time. I see some people who's like, you're just pissed off that he's that Albert O was a bad pick. It's like, yeah, I'm always going to get mad at some idiot coach wrecking the career of a good player and even the ones that I'm not invested in. But notice I'm much more invested in Kyle Pitts than I am Albert Uquegbenum, and I'm not going after Arthur Smith for turning Pitts into a 30-yard player. It's like I, 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 I don't just on that basis uh, issue these judgments or else I'd be going after Smith too. Right. See, exactly. So well said. Um, let's grab a couple questions here. Um, trade one. So we'll, we'll try to work through this one fairly quickly. One of it, or one of the players is from this game, Deontay Foreman. Um, should I trade Jeb wants to know this? Should I trade Chris Godwin, Kareem Hunt and Foreman for Stefan Diggs? Um, already yeah. has Gabe Davis. I would. Yeah. And I, I mean that, I mean, it's not like the best thing ever necessarily about Diggs Davis, but I don't view it as a negative. It's, it's just like ambiguous at worst. And, and Diggs is a top eight player. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And and Davis is so capable of those spike weeks to to where you know I I think that 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 bodes well. Um, if you have Allen, even better. But it, I think he would have mentioned that if, if he did. But regardless, uh, pretty good. Um, so we we'll, we will take the the dig side of that one. Um, got another question here. Flex one of these guys, Khalil Herbert. 
Gus Edwards or those receivers, which are uh, Christian Kirk, Curtis Samuel, George Pickens, or Wondell Robinson? Um, I think Curtis Samuel is in play here. I don't really – I'm not really that interested in hurt. Is uh, Montgomery's not hurt, right? No, but I, I think that there's like a little bit of optimism after the way that Herbert played Monday night and, you know, seems seems like, you know, initially yeah, think- when Montgomery got back – he disappeared from the offense, but that that isn't the case so much right now. Yeah, I think that's just an Elliott Pollard situation all over again. So I I don't see Herbert quite as highly as some other people. I think I'd lean actually Curtis Samuel in that group, but I I want to go Edwards. I just don't know what's going on with his knee. Okay, yeah, now fit fair. I guess so if they it, say Edwards is in and starting, I, maybe maybe I go with him then and just pray they're not doing Dobbins part two. So. Around what six thirty Eastern time? Keep an eye for for those inactives and, and all that good stuff. Um, before we get on over to our next game, got a message from our friends over at No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in Pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can test your skills versus the house and 20x your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Also got a message from our friends over at Play With Swagger. There are 50 million fantasy sports players and sports bettors in the U.S., but 90% of all cash prizes are only won by 2% of players. That's because most sports gaming options were created for pros. You know, the dudes dropping loads of cash on data to find an edge over the rest of us. Not Swagger. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who simply want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Tired of losing on one bad pick? With Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You simply create a ticket of 4-10 to simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. Your score determines your win, not the perfect ticket. You can be half right and be all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your money. Plus, you can play fantasy football along with all the major U.S. pro sports as well as international soccer, Formula One, NASCAR, fight sports, rugby, cricket, and even esports. Ready to play? Visit playwithswagger, S-W-A-G-G-E-R.com slash rotowire to sign up and swagger will give you ten dollars free to try them out plus match your first deposit 100 up to 100 so again that's playwithswagger.com slash rotowire all right mario we're going to keep things rolling along here uh speaking of uh, the the zeke pollard uh conundrum we got the bear and actually the the bears uh with the herbert uh and montgomery one we got the cowboys playing host to the bears Cowboys nine and a half point favorites in this one. The Bears, uh, they sunk me in Survivor this past week, Mario. It was a 
it was it was too obvious uh, of a play, and there, therefore I should have done something else. Uh, that and I so I don't think it's obvious that the the Bears would win that dominate that game. I think that's it, one of those. It, no, I, I thought it was obvious that the Patriots. Were, I was like, I, I, right. I, I hate using Survivor Monday nights, but there's something kind of electric about it. And then uh, I just didn't work out chase the dragon too many times and uh you know there there we were uh looking at uh the patriots just get i i couldn't get too mad at the patriots getting bullied on national television but at the same time it, it was disappointing to, to bow was, out it, it was a pretty funny game if only for the uh the whole like mini lin sanity thing that we got about bailey zappy where they're just like oh i'm so into it he's unstoppable he's back in this is how this the stories uh, that you know the the, the the fairy tale is back in motion and yeah, then bill's at it again they, they just get they just stomped anyway and it's just like ah oh, crap that's right he's he's not actually good um no, Jones no, is, is bad though too uh yeah i don't i don't know i don't know if it's fair to, to assume he's like fully healthy at this point but yeah it's it's um it is funny at the very least in hindsight. It was funny at the time too, but in hindsight, it's it's fun to mock the the people who were like saying that Mac Jones was a top five quarterback last year. Like, I, very generously, what what's happened? We could very generously describe what's happening here as you seeing a guy complete a lot of passes and being impressed by it. Like, just no, it doesn't matter where those passes go, how much they amount to. So just completing passes is so good. That's 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 the best thing an offense can do, I think, is complete as many passes as possible, and, and the rest will work itself out. And, and we've made all these formulas uh, valuing uh, offensive functions such that completing 22 passes on 30 attempts catapults you into the top five of a quarterback metric. And for a billion more dollars, we can tell you our really good stuff <laughs> um, yeah, so whatever. It's it's ridiculous, and I, I I find myself playing so a little defense for Mac now all of a sudden, but it's just so ridiculous, so absurd, given where we were not even a full year ago. You know, like ten months ago, we I had to I had to tell people like, no, he's not a top five quarterback. It's shut up. Um, <laughs> but now 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 it's like he's just you know, it's it's the Woody from Toy Story meme, uh, the kid throwing him to the ground is like, yeah, I don't want to play with. You don't anymore. want this top five quarterback anymore. We like Bailey Zappi now. Um, so anyway, but ba- that, Bailey that Zappi is, is like the the baby like head doll with the spider legs. I can't remember uh, enough. Oh, that's toys. like seared into my memory. Like when I think okay. of Toy Story, I think of that and I get scared. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 getting into like the little uh, the, the the toaster. You're probably too young for that one. There's this little toaster movie where he goes, a toaster gets lost in an RV or something and gets taken all around the country and ends up in a like appliance boneyard kind of thing. And there's all these scary things. Um, oh, I'm anyway. Sure. That's a that's a haunting. You might like that, John. It's a, it's a, it's a surprisingly dark for for what's I guess supposed to be like eight year old kid cartoon. Um, <laughs> The, the the other appliances get their souls snatched by a by a junkyard lifter thing. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I'm glad we we settled that history of darkness in uh, Disney movies or whatever. Um, I think uh, this this uh, the Patriots team just kind of I don't know they suck, but they they can play enough defense in Zach Wilson. Sorry, are we talking about this Jets game? Well, we might as well be. So okay, yeah, like, yeah Patriots Jets. So- Jack Wilson is so bad right now. I don't think he can play at all. 
to be fair, losing Elijah Vera Tucker and Brees Hall is insane, especially after what they already lost to injury. So um, it really is just Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner. That's the Jets now. And I, I just I don't know if that's enough to win when Belichick could call that Buffalo, the, the road game Buffalo Mac Jones offense. They could call that here and win, I think, by at least a touchdown. Because uh, Zach, Zach Wilson's going to get benched soon, probably after this game or in this game. Yeah, I, it obviously, you know, tough, tough matchup uh, last week go, going out to, to Denver, at least facing their defense. Um, but, you know, Wilson's still, I think your your characterization of him is definitely accurate. I think this is a great spot for the Patriots to, you know, go ahead and maybe burst that bubble a little bit as far as the Jets and, and their momentum is concerned. So I'm on the Patriots as well let's go back to the bears versus oh, the cowboys um, sorry uh cowboys win by um well let's why not 10 uh the zeke the, zeke's got to be out right mcl sprain i don't think he mcl sprain and like a painful thigh bruise yeah so uh tony pollard is i won't say he's like overrated exactly but he is misunderstood there's a lot of people who watch him get a draw carry or uh, an off tackle uh, carry off the bench and see him get you know more 20 yard carries than Zeke and it's just like oh he's better it's like he's better on that play maybe but you can't run a whole offense out of that play those situations are situational he, that's why that's why he's not a work that's why Pollard isn't a workhorse running back so there's 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 maybe going to be this assumption that he just scales up in this contest and I think what his investors should prepare for is kind of just like more of the same like he doesn't actually scale up that much uh, Roquan Smith is a tough matchup for him in space. And I don't know what else, especially now that Dak isn't a runner. Roquan might be pretty much free to keep an eye on Pollard. That's, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like criticizing Pollard if he couldn't get anything going against a guy like Smith. Smith's just a really, really good linebacker. So, um, it's, it's not an easy matchup for Pollard in my opinion, but it's, it's still a relatively good one. If we're correct to consider Dallas double digit favorites, which, I'm on board with that. I mean, it, it might be a lot of the defense doing the work, but Pollard's touches more than most weeks should occur in scoring range. It's the yardage that I don't think scales up. And what do you make of the fact that the Bears, I believe, have surrendered the most sacks in football, and now they get to face a Cowboys The most pass sacks push. on a 19 passes per game. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, no that's incredible deal. when you think about how, how uh, rarely they, they do drop back. Yeah, if if there weren't so many metrics like valorizing uh, the team management philosophy of just cutting costs, if if just in America it weren't so, uh, if if it weren't uh, just cost cutting as as like an as a ritual, like a religious practice in itself, weren't so popular here, people would be looking at Ryan Poles and being like, "What the hell are you doing, dude? Why are you trying to kill your quarterback? Why are you trying to tarnish, destroy even uh, your most valuable asset?" And he's like. I, I, I know that the man told me it's good when the, the when the, the number goes down and I, I'm doing that. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, this is this is really inspiring what you've built. Um, I, I think it's it's pretty brutal. It's it's unfair to Fields. Uh, it's not even just Micah Parsons. I mean, Parsons is, of course, a total monster and maybe even the best defensive player in the league at this point. But Dallas is truly a swarm in the front seven. I mean, this Dorrance Armstrong's like blocking a field goal every game and on pace for like eight sacks. Demarcus Lawrence is a, a candidate to push for like 12, 14 sacks. Sam Williams is their fourth defensive end 
That guy runs like a four four six. He had two sacks last week. There's just so many. There's so many players in that front seven that can hurt you. And even even the guys playing like twenty snaps, like the Golsons, uh, all those guys are tough. Uh, the way they deploy them, and it's it's just so much to deal with. Even if you're a decent offensive line, if you're the worst, maybe ever, it could be an issue. So yeah, no, it, exactly. So that that it should should end up being a, a long Sunday. Any like. Anything from Monday night that you can take away for, for the Bears that, you know, on the positive side, like, is that the start of them maybe having a bit of a pulse on offense or, or was that just he more is good? Uh, or at least I think he's worth building around and, and they're not going to do any better than him for the foreseeable future. And I thought one of the ways they could stop s- sabotaging him basically is to actually leverage his ability as a runner. And, you know, if, if you're going to if, if you can't block uh, if you can't if you can't block four pass snaps without giving up a sack, and if your receipt if your wide receiver two is Dante Pettis or whatever, then at the very least give your quarterback some running opportunities. Don't make them throw in the, that context. Why? There's no point. It's it's a death trap. So they got him going more as a runner, and I don't I don't think it's a coincidence that he got better as a passer. And defenses just looked generally less comfortable against them after they got Fields going as a runner. So they need to keep doing that. Uh, the cost of course is like, you might expose them to more contact that way, but in practice, I don't actually think that's true for this team. It's like, if you make him pass, he's getting hit more than he would be as a runner. Uh, so they got to keep running him and, uh, it's not a great hand that they're working with, but it's, you know, the one they gave themselves and it's, they can't make it any better than this. Yeah, I, I think so uh, as well. So I don't know. There's something there with Fields. We'll we'll see if they can actually you know Just make trade something. Trade them, you idiots! God, <laughs> why not? Um, let's go Lions, Dolphins, uh, Lions, three and a half point home dogs over under in this one. Uh, the highest I believe of the week. Checking in at fifty one, fifty one and a half. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, I wish I knew more about what was going on with DeAndre Swift because I really expected him to play last week and if he's being held out uh, maybe there's reporting on this already if, if he's being held out after practicing in the whole week uh he basically was either not really practicing and was just kind of set, it was declared by a team doctor like actually he can't really play or the team was hoping he would be willing to play and he wasn't or like he he said like I don't know if I don't you know I I don't really want to play coach you know I don't know if that's what happened or if it was the doctor saying like no you're not going out there with your shoulder like this I don't know which one it is and the answer to which it is could explain a lot of things and then have some repercussions for the future of this team but uh, in the meantime they you know get a lot worse if they don't have Swift and uh, golf is still bad. And even DJ Chark being, I don't know if if he's got a high ankle sprain. I know that was two weeks that he's out. Sometimes that turns to four. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's not healthy. They, they weren't supposed to be good in the first place. And then now all their best players are injured or, you know, limited. Chark is on IR now. Okay. Yeah. So that sucks. Um, yeah, so it's it's a it's a very short-handed group this this Lions team and it's it's irritating to me that there's people who are like Dan Dan Campbell's really asking for it now. He's like, "Really? Like the, you didn't expect the Lions to be uh 1 and 5 or whatever? Like you 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 thought they were going to be what, winning the North because no one was saying that before the season and yet 
like there's this there's this inability to keep perspective and you know the goldfish brain that's always conditioned in us more and more every day there's people who like let the heightened expectations of being surprised by how good the lions were on offense in the first three weeks recalibrate their entire standard for how dan campbell's supposed to do his job like you are literally penalizing the guy for doing better than you thought he would do that doesn't make any sense if you're you're goldfish if that's how you, how you react at this point um so yeah the people who are like oh dan campbell's failing he's like his quarterback is Jared Goff. They weren't supposed to win, and all, all their best players are hurt. Figure it out, or, or you know, don't actually stop trying to figure it out uh, if that if that's how it goes for you. Uh, but the Dolphins, in any case, have a big advantage in a lot of ways, and uh, the, the Detroit defense has no talent. Part of that is like I'm bra- I'm blaming Brad Holmes. Um, Bad Holmes is more <laughs> like it. Folks. You're spending that pick on Aiden Hutchinson, who they don't even know where he's going to play anymore. Uh, they're trying him at like outside linebacker, but they've only been using four man fronts. So I don't know if it's like they're going to try to run three man fronts just to get Hutchinson to look less bad. I think what they're going to have to actually do is have Hutchinson add 30 or 40 pounds and move inside, which is not what they had in mind. Uh, but this linebacker thing isn't going to work either. Uh, they could have had Stingley or Ahmad Gardner. And they would be so much further along if with those either of those two than than with Hutchinson. But as it is, they have no talent on defense. Even Okuda, that that thing didn't last. So I saw they, he had they, like did he have fifteen tackles last week? Oh God, I missed that. If so, that's, that, that's, that's not a bad great. sign. If you if your corner has fifteen tackles, yeah, yeah, that's not good. One especially when like two or three. especially when the guy on the other side is Amani or Awarie, it's like. Should we throw it for the free uh, first down over here, or should we throw it at Okuda? And I guess they were saying to throw it at Okuda 15 times. Um, I think uh, the, the Miami offense should just be wheels up here. Like, Mostert looks good. The two receivers, of course, look good. No reason Gasicki should fail here if they use him. That's the concern. They might not need to. Uh, the Lions side, I don't know what you can take for granted. I mean, Hawk, there's a lot of slack there for Hawkinson. And if Swift is playing, there's there's slack for him too. But the, the Lions offense falls apart if they can't run explosively, if they can't leverage that offensive line into the game. And you can only leverage that offensive line into the game so much when as a passing unit, because Goff is still the uh, negating variable there. So uh, if they don't have the explosive plays on the ground, in addition to volume on the ground, I don't I don't know what they even are in theory at that point. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of a mess. Um, I think my my take on this game, it it could really go very. It, this could look extremely wrong. I think it was this weekend last year when the Eagles went up there and they were like three and a half, four and a half point favorites, and I was like, this could be the Dan Campbell special week. You know, this is the week that you know the Lions against all odds are able to kind of like rise up and get a win outright. And I believe. Philadelphia like blanked them or won like 40 to 10 or something crazy like that. So that that's certainly uh, in play in this one. Um, but I don't know, for, for whatever reason, I, I think that, that the Lions are kind of in in gut check time. We're half, halfway point of the season They're They've already had their bye that they lost to the to the Cowboys in pretty uninspired fashion last week. They're at home. Maybe the Dolphins overlook this one a little bit, and and maybe the Lions are able to to keep this one close. But I would prefer do, this one to be like four and a half. Yeah, if the if the Dolph the Dolphins version of blowing this game would be like just giving up points. I think the 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 possibility of the Dolphins failing to score just doesn't 
exist no. to me. I, did, I just don't think that a better defense than this was struggle struggle with these two receivers on you know turf. It's it's uh, too much. Yeah, yeah, I, I am excited see what see the Tyreek Hill shares uh that this week uh he is just having an unbelievable season he's ridiculous um all right we'll we'll keep things chugging along here we got uh, a lot of games to to get to here so uh let's let's rattle some off cards Vikings Vikings three and a half point favorites uh they are Vikings coming off the bye whereas the Cardinals off the mini bye after getting the win last Thursday night um your thoughts on this one? Well, I, I still don't have actual faith in the Cardinals or Cliff Kingsbury, but I got to give Cliff Kingsbury some credit. He finally started moving his receivers around last week, and I don't know why now. I don't know why you wouldn't do it a long time ago, and if, if, you, if you didn't do it a long time ago, I don't know why you wouldn't just see it through the whole way with the ridiculous offense that he used to run, which was just DeAndre Hopkins on the left every single play. This year it was Marquise Brown on the left every single play up until last week. And they had DeAndre Hopkins going in the slot, their left and the right. It's a start. I, I have to concede. I have to give Cliff Kingsbury some credit. It's it's not enough. You have to keep expanding on the premise, you know. But the, the idea of what if we tried to just trick them a little bit you know what if, what if we what if we tried to catch them by surprise is that good is that ha- having the element of surprise is that good i can't remember uh, cliff just remembered last week and he, maybe he'll meditate on it further maybe he'll get somewhere if he does i don't know but just moving hopkins into the slot it's like finally the defense has to think they don't they can't sleepwalk through every single play um they have they have to they have to ask maybe hey who's that what's he doing over there something anything <laughs> they have to have a question occur in their mind now so that's something. But um, do I trust Cliff's ability to actually expand on the premise? Not really. And uh, their, their defense is kind of a mess. I, I know they had some big plays. That's just uh, one of those was Callaway playing tip drill, and the rest was just kind of the, the Dalton regression that had to occur. Uh, yeah. I don't think that Arizona defense is going to keep up. I mean, great, getting if they keep Collins going as a rusher a little bit, that's a change from earlier in the year. I'm just I'm skeptical of it all. They're, they were, they were overachieving last week, and Kirk can play stupid sometimes. I don't want to make it sound like he's he's a steadying presence exactly, but he has a big wide receiver to corner, wide receiver to safety advantage in this game, and Dalvin Cook should be able to run in this game. I don't really know why the Vikings would blow it on their side. And uh, granted, uh, Kyler against that Vikings defense is a little. Like you can imagine him getting a big play, be it on the ground or through the air. Uh, those Vikings corners really can't run with um, like Rondale. Uh, but if that's the other, that's the next thing Cliff needs to wake up about. Get Rondale downfield. If you're, especially if you're going to make the guy run like 35 routes within five yards of the line of scrimmage, why not have one play in that game? Because you've, you've given the defense plenty of reason to assume it's going to be that same thing that that 40th time in a row. Why not have him go? downfield and then the defense you think that 40th time the defense is just going to be like i bet they're going deep here like no just just trick them one time try it out uh rondale's fast it'll work uh but until he does that it's like how is rondale supposed to break out just catching these stupid bubble screens all game yeah that no it get get him move get him moving i understand like the idea of getting the ball in his hands but like we we they've kind of exhausted that 
And they were using them too much outside. They were uh, there were too many places where they had Dorch in the slot, and they were putting more outside. I'm, I'm like I'm I'm talking about more still in the slot. You know, I don't want the five seven guy running outside if if at all possible. It's just but do, I mean Dorch is really small too though. So what I mean, right? Dorch just shouldn't be on the field, um, or it should be a four wide where they have two slots and Ertz isn't in the slot, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this thing where they're making room for Dorch in the slot, they they they're, they're turning. Rondale into Andy Isabella that way. And they're eventually Cliff's going to do what he did with Isabella, which is eventually resent him for not being the kind of player that he needs for the task that he wants. It's like, just, just get the right player for the right task. And if he can't get it, give that player the right task for them. Then speaking of Andy Isabella, do you think there's a chance that with all the Ravens injuries that he gets called up today? I don't know. I mean, I, I sure hope so. I, I, I know he's a bust, but I'm sorry. There's not a universe where Demarcus Robinson is more useful than Andy Isabella, and if if your if your scheme has particularities such that Robinson is more useful, then your scheme sucks, and you should get rid of it right away. Uh, yesterday, so I, I think in particular what Isabella would be dangerous for in this offense is uh, you're going to need to move Duvernay outside. You're going to need to have Andrews lined up in line probably, or a four wide with two slot reps, and you're going to want Isabella in the slot, and you're going to want him running deep posts, fly routes and deep posts. Don't even have him do anything else. It doesn't matter if he gets the ball in that play. You want that defense to do some cardio for once. You want someone to, to get back to the huddle, you know, sucking air instead of getting back, you know, yawning like they do right now. If you put Demarcus Robinson on the field, don't. there's no reason to defend that guy. What the hell are you going to defend him for? You got better things to do. So I, I think if you put Isabella out there, if a defense approaches him the same sort of lax way they can to Marcus Robinson, he's running past them and it's, they, they won't catch him. So I, I like the idea of using Isabella on deep posts, fly routes from the slot, uh, playing off of the Lamar run threat specifically, because that, that safety takes one step. That's all Isabella needs. He, he was signed enough long ago in Baltimore to where, I feel like he needs to get on the active roster. So I don't know. Keep that in I'd mind like to see it tried out. Cause I, I know yeah. he's been a bust in the NFL. I know his hands are bad, but I'm sorry. That guy put up numbers at Massachusetts that players just don't do, including yeah, against he, good team. Like he had a big game. He toasted Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. It's like, just if, if he's a little delicate, then so what just accommodate him. You don't find guys who can run like this very often. Yeah. They just had Marquise Brown for a while. They know what delicate looks like. Like, yeah. <laughs> Just, he can't. Um, he he's not like the he he can't like be a laser flashlight the way Marquise Brown can. Like Isabella, he kind of he kind of moves on skates, but the speed is still there, and it's not easy to just run with him. Yeah, no, he he can definitely burn. Um, let's grab a couple of questions here before we move on to our next game. Uh, sh- should I trade Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt for Leonard Fournette, Michael Pittman, and Darren Waller? I say no. I think Kelsey's just kind of a unicorn. Uh, Kareem Hunt still useful even if even if he's still on the Browns uh, post trade deadline. Whereas it, we'll get to that game here soon. I'm actually fascinated to to hear your thoughts when it comes to Indianapolis now. But uh, you know Waller, I you really just it's hard to have injury optimism for him. Fournette, um, you know that's a kind of busted Bucks offense, and it seems like they're getting Rashad White a little bit more involved. So I would stay put. Yeah, I. Uh... I would keep Kelsey and Hunt for now. Yeah, Kelsey is just like that's that's a, that's a that's the type of player to where the rest of your lineup can kind of throw in some duds, and Kelsey like drags you to a narrow victory. Like he's just that much of a difference maker, especially at tight end. 
Um, Connor wants to know, should I trade Mixon and Juju for uh, DeAndre Swift and Tyler Lockett? I don't I think I no. would. You would? I don't think I would, no. Okay, don't think it. I mean, yeah. it's, I, it's not like it's, it's not obvious to me either way. I just, I, I can imagine Mixon finishing better than he started, especially if Burrow can keep things, not, not that Burrow's going to need to throw four forty and four touchdowns or whatever every week, but the the Bengals getting more on track, it will show up for Mixon eventually too. Yeah, exactly. They're going to have leads that they're nursing and, you know, m- m- then it can just be hammer time for Mixon in the second half. Uh, Darius wants to know Travis Etienne or Chris Godwin in the flex this week. Uh, man, that's tough. I I wish I if I knew what the Ravens were going to do with their corners, I might have been able to say Godwin because especially if they're leaving Godwin against Pepe, uh, that that is Godwin's going off if that happens. But if they put Marlon Humphrey in the slot, effectively shadowing Godwin, that's a much tougher assignment for Godwin. So I'd probably go ETN, but the other disclaimer there is I'm pretty much higher on ETN than anyone is, I guess. Yeah, I, I'd go ETN as well. You know, runway a little bit more cleared. But like you said, shouldn't be like a 20, 25 carry guy. But, um, you know, with Robinson being being gone now and really no obvious like guy to push ETN, I think we're going to start to see, for better or for worse, a lot more ETN um, here the rest of the way. And I think the results should be positive. Um, let's go Raiders Saints Raiders one point favorites on the road down there in New Orleans. You know, the, the Raiders looked good last week. I think a lot of it had to do with the Texans and the Saints. Like they're, they're pretty well coached, but they, the way that they're set up, like the, the, they're just going to make killer mistakes every single week, whether it's Dalton, whether it's Jameis Winston, and they just don't have a ton of talent at receiver that's healthy right now. And, you know, maybe the defense is, is not quite as good as it was uh, in recent years. So uh, even with New Orleans being a tough place to play, I do feel like this is a good spot for for the Raiders. Yeah, I, I don't know if what's going around with the Raiders, but it seems like they've got some kind of illness thing going around. Uh, like they're listing Adams, Jonathan Abram, Tayshawn Bauer, and Clellan Farrell is all not practicing with illness yesterday. So I hmm. don't know what that is, but uh, Darren Waller in a limited practice is pretty reassuring. Otherwise, I guess uh, I don't, I don't know why Josh Jacobs is so unstoppable all of a sudden. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome to watch. Like he looks like a hoss out there. Yeah, I guess it's all because of Dylan Parham uh, taking over at left guard. I, to be serious, I don't know what else changed. You know, it's like these guys, these same guys were all here, except Dylan Parham, who who was a good pick, uh, the the Memphis guard or whatever he is. He, he's I know that one game a couple weeks ago, I saw him like always blocking someone like seven or eight yards downfield. So uh, they might just have quietly turned into a really good run blocking offensive line if only for one player taking a big step at, at, at uh, the left guard spot but in this setting you would kind of expect you would kind of expect normally the saints to try to sell out to stop someone like jacobs producing the way he is but if adams if so much as just adams is playing then they can't really do that because Lattimore, unless Lattimore gets back and is you know close to 100 percent which it doesn't Abdomen injury, not practicing Wednesday, 
that doesn't sound like the kind of injury you just jump back from after multiple games out. So if, if there's no Lattimore and if Adams isn't out with this illness, then the, the, the Saints have to sort of leave a little bit open for Jacobs or else they'll leave Adams under covered. So it seems like, yeah, there's no real good excuse for failing here if you're the Raiders side. And uh, I, I just don't, I don't know. The, the Saints offense is difficult for me to think through. I think Jameis should be their quarterback when healthy, but he's already a fringe player. If he's got like a broken back, yeah, don't, that's not that exciting at that point. No. So uh, I don't know what to expect from them. I don't think Dalton's quite as bad as his numbers were in the last game. Like I think he sucks. I think he should be backing up Winston. If he's, if Winston's healthy, I just don't know if Winston is. And um, Olave is so nuts that I think as long as Dalton only turns it over one time, then a Kamara plus Olave game could be enough. Uh, if only because the Raiders are, are not that di- they're not stocked with that much depth themselves. But yeah, it's hard to imagine why it's hard to imagine how Jacobs would fall off unless the, the Raiders passing game is just playing T-ball all game. Yeah. Th- yeah. That, that is of course the, you know, the big uh, storyline, big wrinkle um, in that particular matchup uh, should be a good one though. I've I'm, I'm got some, got some DFS intrigue for, for that one. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. I do, do like Olave in this setup as well, like you said. Um, before we get on over to, oh, you're good. Uh, before we get on over to our next game, got a message from our friends over at MKF. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. Eagles, Steelers. John, real quickly, uh, I don't think this is a fake account. It looks like real Adam Schefter is saying uh, Kadarius Tony to the Chiefs for a third and a sixth. Wowzers. All right, your your instant reacts to that. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on with Kadarius Tony. Probably never will. Uh I don't think it's all uh like I, I think Dable's a good coach. And I think if T- Tony had like the headbutting going on there that he did with Joe Judge, then it's like I'm not convinced this is really gonna work out for the Chiefs. Uh but I also I also think they're gonna bring him along real slow because uh they're like they're probably not going to re-sign Hardman after this year, so they they might see Tony as kind of just like a, I don't know, like a like a the kind of the kind of asset you can't you know cash out on for another year, but they're also just they just they're they're ready to just leave him there for a year if necessary. I don't know. What does this say about Sky Moore? I don't think it matters for him. I mean, he, he's he was he was just like the victim of unfair expectations as a rookie. Like he's an underclassman from Western Michigan and we knew he was going to be kind of like slot oriented. Like his, his build has certain limitations. So people kind of just fixated on his draft capital and like the chiefs offense is rep- also a lot of uh, virulent Hardman hatred, I think fueled the, the sky more optimism, but it's like, the guy is categorically limited as far as like the concepts you can run. Like some receivers can play in any concept. That's not Sky Moore. And the one area where he runs his concepts most reliably, A, there's Kelsey, B, there's 
three veterans, you know, two of which are free agents after this year. Uh, It's just a lot for an underclassman from the Mac to, to, to claim more than a peripheral role there. So the lack of playing time for more, the lack of production for more, I don't think it matters at all for his, his long-term trajectory. Uh, the, the Chiefs are just a team that run a lot of three, four wide, and, and Juju and Hardman are both free agents. I think you're you're missing the forest for the trees here, Mario. Sky Moore was number 24, and he's a receiver. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, maybe they should move him to running back or change his number. and uh, Change the back. number, and maybe things start to turn around. But either way, um, yeah, th- this Tony trade – they're interesting and sky more let's be serious tony's probably completely insane this has been an issue with him in every step of the way dable is not joe judge the joe judge part i was like yeah joe judge is a jerk it doesn't i can't i'm not i'm not going to assume anything about tony from that but when dable got there and almost immediately was like i don't know what the hell is with this guy okay that's not great yeah showing up with like the wrong size shoes and stuff uh before the draft to practice and and like imagine florida seeing him in practice every day and being like I don't know how the hell to get this guy on the field. I, like for four years, Florida acted like it was impossible to get Tony the ball. Maybe it actually was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, so definitely uh, something up there. Um, let's see here. Oh yeah, so we got the battle of the Keystone State, Mario. We got Philly and Pittsburgh squaring off. What do you think? Yeah, uh, it's a tough setting for the Steelers. I mean, quarterbacks Kenny Pickett. Eagles just added Robert Quinn. Uh, You didn't want to see that Eagles defense to begin with if you were the Steelers offense. So, uh, yeah, it looks real rough to me. I mean, Darius Slay, I think, can remove Deontay Johnson from a game. And I think James Bradbury could be really tough for uh, Pickens on the other side. I'm a Pickens fan. It's it's not that uh, I'm, I'm not I am not the person to normally doubt him. It's just. He is a rookie underclassman, and he is going against one of the NFL's best taller corners in the event that Slay is shadowing Johnson. And, and if, if Pickens is going against Slay, that's probably even worse than going against Bradbury. So I think it's Claypool who has pretty clearly the best uh, matchup here. The, the, the Eagles almost cannot keep their usual look here. They, they usually have Avante Maddox in the slot. And if they put Avante Maddox in the slot all game, they risk the Mike Evans playoff game from last year where Mike Evans kept going in the slot and the Eagles were just like, uh, don't know what to do. We got to just put five foot nine Avante Maddox on him and hope it works out. Oh, it didn't work. And this, this time around, I would be shocked if Gannon was just like, let's, let's see, let's see how Maddox does with the guy who is, um, more than a half foot taller than him and 55 pounds heavier and still about as fast as him. Um, that's, that's not fair to Maddox. So then again, there have been matchups like this before this year where the Steelers didn't get anything going with Claypool. So, uh, Gannon, Gannon's got to think of something there. Maybe he does. Maybe it's as simple as like, he's got to, he's got to, I put a robber over here and that's that we're done. You know, maybe, maybe it is that simple. Uh, but if Pickett can't get Claypool going, I don't know what maybe, I mean, Friar Booth is really good. I didn't mean to skip him. It's just, uh, Kenny Pickett has to make it happen. I think in the middle of the field and I don't think he can hold on to the ball as long as he'd like to, because that pass rush is going to get to him. So I, I could see this as just like a really, really bad game for Pickett. You know, uh, that we talked about goldfish brain earlier and, and having perspective. Um, Sunday night, I was pretty rattled uh, for the, 
opening part of that last drive for the Steelers where Pickett looked good. He delivered some like impressive throws. Then, of course, throws the game-losing interception to Noah uh, Igbenanagi. Oh, shoot. I oh, yeah, I really, didn't know. I really <laughs> stepped in it there. My bad. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know Pickett's made some – like he has a sort of moxie to him or whatever. Like he does, his problem is not being – a Blaine Gabbert who, who just like holds onto the ball and plays like a coward. But his problem is that he has the athletic tools of like a recreational flag football league quarterback. And uh, that shows up eventually. Like even if he makes the right call, even if he throws a pass that for him is accurate, there's, there's no stuff to work with. And I was like trying to, he's trying to be a, a starting pitcher who throws 82, you know, like it just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and, there, there, There's no room for Jamie Moyer in this league anymore. No, uh, Pickett would have been a fine quarterback back when players were part-time insurance salesmen or whatever too, but now it's just not going to work. And uh, even, even the plays that he does make are so often like just by a shoestring, you know, like just, just, in in not just not just the distinction between success and and not succeeding i mean like the good plays are very nearly car accidents almost <laughs> every time and eventually they start they will start being car accidents too like the, the the bad plays will stay and the good lucky ones will just disappear and there will be nothing left eventually and i think it could be this week here we go so you think 10 points the eagles cover that uh yeah i think yeah. they'll win by like 20 but I, yeah, I, I, I love, I love saying this team by twenty five or whatever, and they, you know, maybe win by two or something. <laughs> We're, I, I love it. It's a good recurring uh, joke we got going on. But uh, yeah, no, I do like the Eagles in this spot. Um, let's go, Titans, Texans, Titans, winners of four straight, Mario. <laughs> yeah, uh, in this league, we're just like. In this league where 25 teams minimum are just awful all the time, Mike Vrabel is annually dangerous. Uh, he's, he's almost like the AFC South Mike Tomlin at this point. Like Just just going out there with these crap preseason teams and still winning yeah. as like multiple score underdogs or whatever. Um, the, the Titans can do some things, but only some things. And, you know, they're in trouble if those some things don't go because – there is no AJ Brown punch to land, you know, if Derrick Henry's failing to get the ball moving. Uh, Robert Woods, it's, I don't know, man. It, like he's he's pretty good, but they're just they're putting a level of exposure on him that doesn't really suit him that he's never produced under uh, in the NFL anyway. So he's he's fine, but like I don't know, I don't know if I even expect him to get the better of a player like Stingley. He's people don't really notice yet, but Stingley's really good. And uh, like he might he might be as good as Sertan pretty quickly here. Uh, him and Gardner obviously are both very good picks in the uh, top five this year. I, I think uh, I don't know Tennessee, Tennessee. That run game is not easily stopped. It's always easier said than done to stop Henry. But if yeah, and they it, just keep it, the they just keep him under eighty five yards or something. I don't know what te- I don't know what Tennessee is doing at that point. Right. So I and I'm just of the belief that Derrick Henry feasts. This week, I, I think that okay. the the Josh Jacobs game from last week, uh, I think, could be a little bit of an appetizer for what we're about to see on Sunday. Yeah, if they're, especially if they're at all like catching their breath from that one. It's like this is, the, this is the one thing you can't be looking at when you're still trying to catch your breath. Yeah, I, I guess really the only thing that's stopping the Titans here and I'm 
stop short of like really, uh, you know, hammering this point home. But you know, Tannehill with with his ankle injury, if they have to go to Malik Willis. I don't think that he's quite ready yet. But I, it's not like Tannehill's. I'm intrigued. I will okay. say if they if if you just run the damn wishbone. Yeah. Week, you're going. It's like when uh. You know, it's like when some team never faces the triple option, and they 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 they're like eight and zero, and they they just they just are living in hell for that one game. Like that's that's what Willis can give you, I think, if if nothing else, and and if it lets like Tannehill when Army healthy. almost beat Oklahoma a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's always it's always a military school, or yeah, I guess back in the day, Jordan Attack. It's like that they they go against some team that's like. We just beat the number eight team. We're rolling. We don't have to care about anything. It's like triple option just uh, reduces you, takes you back to the Stone Age, and you're just not ready to live there. No, and, you know, you, you run into the caveman who has the femur bone. He's ready to get you. Femur, femur bone is a one-hit kill. You can't let him get you. It's known. It's the strongest bone in the body. Um, let's Before we get to our next game, a couple more questions here. Alec wants to know, should he trade? He's in pretty good shape here with his running backs. He's got Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor, should he trade one of them for Travis Kelsey? Oh, man, that's tough because, I mean, turning Jacobs into Kelsey is fine. I'd, like, I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, how you can get greedy with this, if anything. And I, I think the way to maybe do it, I don't want to sell on Taylor exactly. But I'm not convinced Taylor outproduces Jacobs from here or, or that by that much, if so. And if you offer Taylor you're probably going to get more back than you would offering Jacob so I'm wondering if you might be able to turn Taylor into Kelsey and another player who at the very least is a depth upgrade for you or you know a worthwhile lottery ticket at running back maybe like some some backup running back who plays a lot more if someone else gets hurt Um, because with Jacobs either one is is totally justifiable I just I, I I would want more for Taylor and I think you might be able to get more for Taylor and kind of be able to play it as greedily as possible yeah i think taylor's this is about as low as his like trade market value for fantasy is gonna be yeah, um, don't sell low on taylor like i'm just using it as a way to get even more back and hopefully not you know truly lose much for it yeah no exactly and then you know obviously this roster pretty well set at, at running back uh, and getting a kelsey upgraded at- and jacobs for kelsey is totally fine too i think i agree uh, got a dynasty question here from Beef Steak Tips, Dynasty 10 teamer. Would you trade Stafford and Judy for Debo Samuel and a third round rookie pick? I think third third round Is this obviously or something because, uh, absolutely. If not, and even yeah, that, I would, I I would I say <laughs> I would yeah. rather have Debo alone than Stafford and Judy. Yeah, honestly. And and when it's a when the draft pick you're giving up is just the third. Um, I read it as I, getting a third. But anyway. I, um, so, yeah, he get, uh, so trading, a, yeah, so you get a third round rookie. Yeah, so totally. In on that one, uh, let's go. Again, I'm I'm sickly intrigued by this game, Mario. Commanders <laughs> going out to Indy. Sam Ellinger time. Yeah. What do, what do, I tweeted it out yesterday, and uh, like most of my tweets, not a whole lot of traction. What's the best case scenario for Sam Ellinger? You can't. I don't know what tweet you're talking about, but you can't just keep tweeting Hypnotoad over and over and over. <laughs> it's it's hypnotizing you. I'm back on um, my Futurama, big time lately. Yeah, it's a, it's a good show. Um, so but, I 
I don't know what to make of Ellinger. I, I, I thought he was he was really ugly to watch, even at Texas. And um, he, he does have that frame to leverage as a runner. That's the one yes. thing. He's the kind of runner who, uh, in, in being, being like a non-asset quarterback, the Colts have the luxury of kind of running him into the ground and just, just, just putting him out there as collateral in ways that they wouldn't a normal quarterback's body. And uh, hopefully he doesn't get clobbered too hard, but he might, he might be running like 15 times in this game. And I know what, uh, I know what the, I know Reich wants to get a passing game going and he's, he's like, that's not going to happen with Alan. We got to get Hines going. We don't want to just run all the time. It's like, well, then you want to lose all the time because you, you got to run. It's well, the only like, thing you have left. Th- throwing all the time, you saw where that got them. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand why it's so ideologically contentious to just say, you should throw more if you're good at it. You know, it's like, that's not enough for, for the, the people who have a, a stroke anytime someone cites the, uh, you know, running 25 times as a winning percentage of whatever, you know, they, they can't see that. And, and imagine any sort of middle ground that they, they have to, they have to just shriek and, 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 and fixate on it and go completely insane and say, actually, 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 it's literally always more efficient to throw the ball more. It literally is always more efficient to throw the ball. It's like, I, have you seen Sam Ellinger throw the ball? Have you seen Matt Ryan throw the ball? I, I, I don't think it's true all the time. Right. And they're like, no, all the time, every time it is never an exception. And uh, so I guess we'll see. Um, I, I don't know if, like, like I, I have no particular faith in Reich at this point. I, none, rather, more specifically. But I don't think he's going to try to throw the ball 35 times with Ellinger. You can't do it no. even if you try is the thing. He's going to cut a lot of those plays and start running. So my, my you know, the, the, the tail end of that tweet was my personal, you know, stab at, at what the best case scenario might look like. Rookie year Jalen Hurts. <sighs> I I was I was uh, probably something of a hurt skeptic in that I thought there was only a very narrow path that he could succeed with, but then the Eagles built that exact thing beyond my wildest dreams, and and now I have no concerns about Hurts, at least as how the Eagles are currently built. Ellinger, I see no path for. Uh, there's, there's just nothing, in my opinion. It's like he, he could be a good backup, and that would be a big success for his career. Uh, again, he, he can run, and he can take hits. He did it in college a lot. He, they just a lot of the Texas offense at times was just kind of like, uh, just beat your head against the defense and see if they, you know, fall to the side eventually. And they, he, they kind of I mean, he was down. He was down to do that. Like he, yeah, he's he was an absolute bull. He, he can run. He's he's like a good athlete, especially for how how big he he kind of is. But uh, when you would watch him pass at Texas, it felt like watching a trick play or something. It felt like watching like a tight end catch a fake end around and turn to throw the ball upfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just doesn't look like a real quarterback throwing the ball. So. They need to run with him, and the, the Colts, Reich needs to get over this. They need to set up those run-heavy looks to get the defense in a run-heavy personnel because if they're if they're going, like, five wide with Ellinger, it's a joke. Like, the defense is just going to eat them up. So yeah. they need to run from bigger personnel than they'd like. They have to have fewer route runners than they'd like, probably, and they need to run with Ellinger between the tackles, not, not, just, not just demonstrating a bootleg here and there. They need to make the defense worry about that a gap every play. So that this kind of ties into what you were talking about uh, a few minutes ago with you know like the 
the shock to the system that you can get uh, playing a run heavy team or, you know, yeah. in, the, in the college example, a triple option team. Do you see some of that potentially occurring here in this Indianapolis game where, you know, they Washington coming off of the, you know, exciting win that they, they turned it over to, to Taylor Heineke, get the win over the Packers. Now have to go out to Indianapolis and, you know, they, if Indianapolis really throws the kitchen sink at them with, with the run game, could this like get, get uh, just off track enough for Washington to where Indianapolis finds a way to win? Yeah. I like Indianapolis to win uh, part, partly for that, if, that detail that you mentioned. And uh, I don't know if there's a single defensive coordinator in the league that I trust less than Jack Del Rio in any context, but especially when it comes to like a breadth of knowledge, do you really, does anyone really believe Jack Del Rio knows like, could he, could he spot like an art Bryles offense? Would he know what to, what it was if he saw it? Has he seen anything like it before? Like no, there's the, no way. the Tony Sperano uh, wildcat would break his brain. Yeah, I think that Jack Del Rio is—he's probably studying like, uh, like a the Broncos Bengals AFC Championship game or something from 1984 or whenever the hell. Uh, <laughs> like he's he's looking at he's watching old my tape Rolodex, of, trying to he's find studying where old that was. tape of himself probably. Um, I guess back when later. when men were men and they wore cowboy collars. Yeah, when we had real quarterbacks like Boomer Esiason and Ken O'Brien and whatever else. And uh, anyway, he's he's uh, he's living in the past. If we're being generous about it, uh, I, I would I would I would say it's more accurate to say that, that Del Rio is just a total mess and of a person and not good at his job, and uh, he, he's not ready for like a this kind of particular offense probably. Then uh, we'll, we'll quickly touch on the Washington offense side of this. Heineke sucks, John. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. Um, Terry McLaurin's Gib- awesome. Gibbo had a good game last week. Yeah, Gibbo. Uh, I can't. Who could have imagined that he's actually better than the guy who's never been good? Well, uh, good luck with yeah. Good luck with that, Washington. The key to Ron. The key to winning this game is getting Brian Robinson going between the tackles. You need to soften up. DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. You just got to soften them up. Just, just, just keep running at them and not fumbling, and that'll open up the whole offense. You got to believe me. <laughs> Stick Oof. with it. Don't lose the faith, Ron. No, Give it to B-Rob. Every time. Two yards in a cloud of dust, baby. Um, all right, let's go. Oh, we got a couple more. Um, we got Rams, Niners. Rams coming off the bye. Niners couple of tough losses in a row for them. Defense looked bad against Patrick Mahomes. That'll happen. Can happen to anybody. Um, they, they obviously didn't look good against the Falcons. That was a road game. Uh, and some weird stuff happened in that game, of course, as well. Um, does McCaffrey get a little bit more involved this week? And, you know, what what is your kind of general uh, read on, on this matchup, given, you know, what we saw uh, on that Monday night or earlier on in the season? I think San Francisco is going to be playing against the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. I think they're going to get it going here. They they're in a difficult spot, of course, but it's something you could have largely expected if you knew all the injuries they were going to be dealing with. So it's different than a team getting everything they wanted and not knowing what the hell to do with it. You know, like they're they've had their bad luck, hopefully now, and and hopefully they're not subjected to any more. And if so, I, I think. McCaffrey's going to be a big deal in that offense. I mean, he he already looked good, and uh, it is 
as much as some, like, I, I think Elijah Mitchell is clearly a good player and I, I think he'll have a role when he gets back, but you can see the value of like a truly elite running back. It, it's not, it's not hard to see the difference. Like you just, just look at McCaffrey in that last game. It's like, Oh yeah, the, the 49ers have never had this. So yeah. that's going to be interesting. And Shanahan, I'm sure will come up with something good. It, even with Garoppolo, even with stupid Jimmy at quarterback, there's no way that they're not going to get that offense going with, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, and McCaffrey, and eventually Mitchell. Yeah, that's a sweet loadout. And Mitchell, uh, uh, Trent Williams finally being healthy is a big change. Like they're going to build on that. So, uh, 49ers are going to get hot, I think. And I, the, whereas I was, you know, the 49ers, they didn't get any of the things that they asked for, and they're they're trying to make the most of it. The Rams got everything they asked for going into this year, and they suck anyway. And yep. I don't know how anything's going to get better there. So, uh, shorthanded, battered. Uh, you know, beleaguered as the, as the 49ers might be. I think the Rams have much bigger problems. They do. And, uh, you know, I think that clearly Shannon has a special sauce against McVay, at least in the regular season. Um, so I, I definitely, uh, am on the 49ers here as well. Let's go giants Seahawks Seahawks three point favorites in this one. Do we trust the giants to just keep being world beaters? Not really. I mean, I think Dable's good. Um, I, I was criticizing Dable earlier in the year. Not that I was like, not that I was like losing the faith on him, but I was criticizing his decision to not play Darius Slayton and play David Sills over him. That was ridiculous. But Dable is not like a lot of other coaches in that he is capable of learning. And he made that wrong move initially, but then he got a couple weeks in and he was like, oh crap, I, I can see why Slayton might be useful here. They put in Slayton. The offense has found a new gear entirely, and it's it's not that they're like a juggernaut; they're far from it. But like they they made themselves better in season, and a, and a lot of coaches don't have the insight. They they have too much pride, you know, too much pride in their idiotic decision making to to make that switch. Whereas Dable's just like, oh, whoops, you know, let's let's put the better guy in. So he's working toward making them better all the time. He's always thinking about it. He's usually going to be on the right track. I think Dable's always not every not every single case, but. Over a broader sample, he will outcoach the people that he's coaching against. I just don't know if Carroll's the kind of guy to, to get outsmarted by him. I know people, even I indulged the idea too much recently that Carroll is, you know, a goof or the game has passed him by. Sure. I don't think it has. I think he's 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 going to be ready for this game, and then the Seahawks are going to show up. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we do have some injury concerns on, on the Seahawks pass catchers. Yeah, uh, side of things with with Metcalf and, and Lockett both being listed questionable. I think it was a great setup for for Walker though. Um, I, I think if there's uh, like an obvious glaring weakness on this Giants team other than quarterback, um, their their run defense has been pretty bad, and I, I think the the Seahawks are not the team you want to be going against when that's the case. Yeah, I'd really wish uh, I don't know if Homer is back yet, but I'd I'd really like him to get healthy if possible because I think him and uh, Walker can both run and it would have been nice to have a second runner to turn to in this game in the event that Metcalf and or Lockett are limited. Uh, but yeah, Walker's going to get at least, I would say 16 carries. They could take him up to 20 or something. Uh, but th- if they're winning, there might be more carries yet to give. And, and, uh, I hope Homer's able to jump in and take those, but, uh, I guess it'd have to be Dallas if not. So your thoughts on the total in this one, it's, we're looking at, uh, 44 and a half. Yeah. I wish we could have gotten the under at the 46 and a half. I, I think you're going to have to run a lot. If you're either team, 
that just tends to make the clock go faster than you might expect. You know, and one one extra first down on a drive than an offense typically sees can lead to like another five minutes in the clock going out. Uh, yep. So it's it's that that you're working against. And the lower the over under gets, the more you need a big play to happen, the more you need at least one of the teams to run an uncharacteristic amount of passes. Uh, I yeah, I, I, I like if I have to call the over or the under from 44 and a half, I'd still lean the under actually. Under's still hitting sixty percent of the time, roughly uh, this season. So it's it's been crazy. Um, now static that is uh, now about halfway through the season. Let's quickly hit these two night games and get on our merry ways. Um, so first off, we got Packers. Have you heard that this is the first time that Aaron Rodgers has been a double digit underdog going up against Buffalo? Yeah. Uh... He sucks. The Packers suck. Uh, they're not going to get anywhere close to Buffalo in this one. Rodgers is going to throw probably a tantrum. Uh, at the very least, after the game, I think he might throw one in the game, too. Uh, he's, he's, he's gone, man. He's, he's, a, he's a loon. He, he, he's, he's really on this idea that, like, everyone else is failing him, and it's just it's not the case. Like, so, yes, you could have uh, an all-Madden, you know, Madden Legends roster around you, and they, they would be a lot better than the players that you have you're still not making the plays that are in front of you and then when you don't make them like some kind of <clears throat> i guess i can't I, don't really want, I can't say the word that i want to uh he starts just blaming anybody else. even if it's like some rookie receiver he, he's like if you're like 40 you can just let this kid go even if you think it's his fault just don't don't, don't toss him to the media don't be a right. jerk like just 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 be gracious once and have some grace for once aaron Rodgers, but He's just he's just brain damaged by like the fame and having a bunch of yes men around him, and now he sucks at football too. Yep, too cool for school. Uh, Bills, uh, you can you can get this at eleven and a half on BetMGM. Sure. Uh, I I think I would go with the Packers with that uh, over there, um, but ten and a half. Mm. Packers got nothing, and the little bit they have going, Rodgers just misses it. I I bet I bet the Bills win by like at least two touchdowns. <laughs> Dang. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And then rounding us out here, we got Browns playing host to the Bengals. Bengals three and a half point favorites. Um, this one in Cleveland, but I think we're starting to see Cincinnati get itself in gear. And I, I, I think hope that, so. Yeah. I, I, I'm in. I'm, I'm a believer. I don't believe and in the I, Browns. I know that much. No. Joe Woods, especially. That guy's getting fired after this game, maybe. <laughs> if the, especially if the Bengals stay hot, because Stefanski's not going to go. But some who, whose fault is this, Kevin? It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not yours. Then oh, Joe Woods' fault. Well, we're, we demand a payment. Yep, and 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 therefore, uh, you know, he must go. Heads will roll. That that game uh, coming in on Halloween night. Looking forward to that one. A lot of orange and black. That's spooky. Pretty good. Pretty spooky. Pretty spooky indeed. But that's going to wrap things up. For us here on the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, be sure to check out myself and Nick Whalen on the BetMGM Roadwire Sports Betting Podcast. Just jamming a bunch of verbal SEO words in there. And then uh, let's see. Also, be sure to listen to Scott Jenstad, Ryan Belongi on Fridays with that DFS breakdown. Really important, good stuff that they're that they're tossing out there every week to help you build your best lineups, cash, and tournaments alike. That's going to do it for us here. Thanks again to our friends over at No House Advantage for presenting this podcast from Mario Puig. I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening.
Try RotoWire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.